First Corinthians chapter two, and we'll pick it up in verse one. This is Paul, of course, writing to the church at Corinth. And he says, I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in the weakness and in fear and in much trembling in my speech. And my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in, the, in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand uh, in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Well, Paul, obviously, a um, very wise man, of course. Uh, Paul, uh, as we know, uh, Paul wasn't one of the original 12 disciples. Uh, Paul was chosen, some of it could have been up to some 14 years later. Uh, he became uh, probably one of the most uh, effective uh, uh, men that God used, uh, particularly in the New Testament. He wrote uh, two-thirds of the New Testament, of course, as we know. And um, Paul um, here is declaring the fact that, he said, when I came to preach you the gospel, he said, I didn't come to you with uh, my own ideas about things or to expound my great wisdom and my knowledge about anything. He said, I came here particularly to declare the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said that, uh, you're, so that uh, eventually that your power, your strength would not be in the, the words that I use, but in the, uh, the, the Holy Ghost experience. And of course, um, that is still the same today. Unfortunately, we have uh, people today who are, are great orators. They can uh, uh, give a, a good speech and uh, they can make uh, many declarations of their own and use their own minds and uh, their own um, uh, wisdom, of course, in many things. But uh, it doesn't alter the fact that until a person starts and learns to rely upon the... Uh, the Holy Ghost experience, uh, they will get nowhere. It just We quite often say, going to church is not the answer. There's no good saying, well, look, I'm going to turn over a new leaf, I suppose, every year, New Year's Day. You quite often hear of people uh, having a change of heart and a turnover, they call it a turnover new leaf, and they're going to start a new life. And I suppose a lot of people do this day by day, and they feel there's something missing in their lives, or they like to be able to uh, think that somehow or other they could obliterate what's uh, before them or what has happened in the past. And they like to start anew. And of course, uh, it doesn't work that way. We seem to be, uh, I don't know what it is, it seems to be an inbuilt within a man, a woman as far as that is concerned, that uh, we don't seem to be able to uh, get our act together in that sense. And uh, it's a little bit like the scripture there talks about uh, in the Old Testament. It talks about, he said, can a, the Lord says, can an Ethiopian change the colour of his skin? Or can a leopard change his spots. Of course they can't. It's an impossibility. And the Lord goes on to say, so neither can a man who's accustomed in his ways change his ways. And of course uh, we have uh, great difficulty in our, in our lives around about us in a natural sense. We look around and see what's uh, happening. There's, uh, the world is certainly not getting any better. In fact, I would think we'd all have to agree that there's something strange happening. It's getting worse. The behaviour of mankind is certainly worse today than what it was uh, some years ago. There's no doubt about that when you see the, the statistics around about us. We're not going to talk about that today. We're on it tonight, rather. We want to, I want to look at uh, a few little thoughts about dealing with uh, the pearls of great price that we have. Now that we've found the Lord, the things that can happen to us. And if you're new here tonight, I'd like to say to you that you might think, oh, going to church is, uh, is pretty boring and that sort of thing. Well, Yes, it might be. But give the Lord a chance. Give the Lord a chance to change you. That Jesus said there, he said, you, you must be born again. 
And I've heard testimonies from folk here who have wished that they could be born again because they're, uh, the life they're living or what they have lived is, uh, even though it hasn't come up to their own stand. I had a, had a, a sister here not long ago give a testimony and she said that she hated herself because of what she stood for, what she'd done, and the things that uh, she'd like to get out of her life, but she couldn't obliterate them out of her life because they were there, they're indelible upon her mind. But she received the Holy Spirit. She was born again by the Spirit of God, and she's rejoicing. She's now, uh, well, the sister said in her testimony, she's a person now that she'd want to be because the Lord did it. And it's not a matter of words and that could come from a platform or uh, some suggestion or a thought in your own mind that you can change your ways, and this it doesn't work that way, as I said. Something miraculous must happen. And that's called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And what a transformation we see in people's lives when they receive the Holy Spirit. And I rejoice at the fact that I've been able to see most people are here tonight. I've been able to see them come to the Lord. It's amazing it may sound, not all of them, that some of them, of course, I was away for a while, but uh, most people that are here, I actually saw them come to the Lord and I saw the transformation in their lives, and uh, it was great. And I can think of my own case. I mean, uh, I had a transformation in my life. There's no doubt about that. And I think today of the things the Lord had done for me and how he revealed himself. And, of course, that's what the secret is, having the Lord reveal himself. And as the Bible talks about, the pearls of great price. And when the Lord can prove to you you're worth something, or not as far as this world is concerned, we're, we're not uh, acknowledged or worth it, we're worth it as far as the world is concerned, but we can, as we're going to see later on here this evening, we can, and we are, have been made, most of us here tonight, have been made sons and daughters of the living God. Now, that's an incredible statement. Sons and daughters of the living God. We also read there that we are now joint heirs with Jesus Christ. People of the world would like to uh, refute that some way or another, but they cannot. Because we have, uh, not of our own goodness, we've been uh, changed or put in this wonderful situation there, but by the miraculous working of the Holy Spirit, we have been changed, we've been born again, and we're now new creatures in God's sight. And Paul's talking here about this wisdom. The wisdom of men, of course, uh, there's a, there's an, I mean, nobody can deny the fact there's some amazing technology on today. There are some people who've got some amazing, uh, um, what do they call it, repertoire of the mind, I don't know what it is, but they, they're able to uh, come forth with some uh, incredible uh, technology and uh, things that are happening in our world today. We think of, I suppose, uh, when you come to think of it, and there's uh, hands up those today that are 30 years or under, uh, 30 years or over. Well, most of those people have come, uh, uh, have, have, uh, sorry, I meant to say the other way around, 30 years or younger. Those people of 30 years and younger have come up in, in a, there we are, it's a great number of them. They've come up in an, in an era which is, uh, well, as far as technology is concerned, it would have to be the greatest advancement in technology that the world has ever seen for the, I don't know how many years the world's been going. We quite often say that, um, well, if it's true, and I believe that man probably, as far as God has been dealing with man, it would appear as if it's about 6,000 years. For the first... Uh, um, well, the first uh, nearly 6,000 years, man, um, he rode his, his only mode of transport, really, was riding on the back of an animal or, as we say quite often put it, Shanks' pony walking. That was his mode of transport. 
And in approximately 100 years ago, um, approximately, the motor car or steam was invented. The motor car was invented. A few years later, an aeroplane was invented. And uh, technology just went ahead amazingly at that time. And then, uh, of course, we know that many other things happened, like the, uh, the splitting of the atom, it was only a matter of a few years, of, you know, um, only a few years ago, 1945, I think was the, the first time it was ever split. And uh, we see uh, an amazing set of things since then. Of course, we have uh, on top of that now, it was called the computer, um, the computer world, and uh, knowledge just exploded. There is no other way of putting it. But man's not getting any better. And for all this uh, wisdom and knowledge, man is not getting any better at all. Well, Paul said... I'm not coming to you with this knowledge. I'm not coming to you with natural wisdom or natural wisdom, um, knowledge. He said, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to declare Jesus Christ. I'm going to declare to you that Jesus Christ can perform in your individual life and he can prove himself and he can demonstrate that he is alive today and that he can change you. You know, of all the technology we have around today, there's nothing that compares with a person who's been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you might put yourself down a little bit here. Never do that. What has happened to you if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit is the most amazing thing that can ever happen. The Bible tells I'm going to look at the scripture. I didn't pick it out tonight. I was going to look at the scripture there where it says that the prophets of old, they looked for the era that we live in today of men and women born again of the Spirit of God. They, uh, they looked forward to that time. They would like to have had it, but it wasn't available to them. It didn't happen until 2,000 years ago. But many people back before then, they studied the Scriptures. They saw in the Old Testament of the wonderful promises of the miraculous things that were going to happen in what we call the Christian era today, the spiritual era, and yet they never saw it. And yet what's happened to you and to me now, in this very last days, we believe that from the scriptures that we're probably living in the last days. What I heard on the news tonight, it looks like the old Azine thing will burn us all up if we're not uh, careful of the right things are going. But however, uh, the Lord says that this, this era that we live in today, you and I, spirit-filled, is one of the most miraculous things that's ever happened to mankind. And all the knowledge that uh, the scientists have and all that, in a sense, it's useless. It doesn't mean anything. Because the day is coming, the Bible says, when all these things shall be dissolved, when all these things shall be uh, uh, put aside, but what you've got goes on for eternity. So let's think about it. We're looking at that a little bit more as we go along. Paul says in verse 6, talking about this wisdom, he said, How about we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Yes, uh, even though he's great... You know, it's an incredible situation when you think about it. At the time of Jesus Christ, I don't know, I don't know whether anybody's got any idea, I wouldn't have a clue, but I believe if you look into it, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of prophecies about Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. There's even the, uh, the very scriptures there, how that he, would be born, he was going to be born of a woman who uh, knew no man. 
We're told of the uh, the uh, very scriptures uh, of uh, of what was he, what he was going to do, how he was uh, going to be filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire, and how he was going to uh, preach the gospel. We're told that even how he was going to die, and even to the extent of exactly what would happen at his death. And all the teachers of the time, all the wise men of the of the time, the religious people of the time of Jesus Christ, they didn't understand. He came. And they didn't understand him. They didn't even acknowledge him as the Son of God, even though he performed a well amazing miracle. The one says it says that he went into some some city or some town, and the Bible says, and they brought all the sick to him, and he healed them all. And the people were were amazed at it. They saw and they said, truly, God is amongst us. God has come down to man, and truly. Uh, uh, this is the this is uh, this is God Himself, or this is the uh, uh, God him, uh, coming to man and demonstrating His power. Yet a few days later, a few years later, they crucified Him. The Bible says they didn't even know Him. They crucified Him with all their wisdom. They had their they had their texts before them there. I didn't have the Bible as we've got today, but they had the other texts there, particularly the religious people of the day, and they would have had to discuss Him. They would have had to discuss uh, the coming of the Messiah, but they just uh, it didn't come to them. They, did, they just bypassed it. They didn't understand. The Lord says here, they crucify their hope. Down in verse 9 it says, But it is writ- as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. God has not revealed himself to this world today. The world still rejects him. They said to Jesus, we don't want you to rule over us. This, the, the world today still doesn't want God in their life. They still uh, ignore him. They still, many uh, the, the so-called wise men of this world today say there is no God. They rejected him. God, in his uh, great wisdom, has rejected them. God has not revealed himself to the world. It's an amazing situation, isn't it, when you think about it. The Bible says here that I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. You know, uh, you go around and, uh, and you look in the churches today. They don't know Jesus Christ. They don't know God. Or they, they've got the Bible. In fact, they use the same Bible that you and I've got. Probably the King James Version of the Bible. But they don't know God because God hasn't revealed himself unto them. And God will not reveal himself unto man in that form. God has said, I'll reveal myself through the Holy Ghost. We're told in the book of Corinthians there, he said, I'll give the Holy Ghost to them that obey me. And of course, man in his religion has rejected God. The same as he did back in the time when Jesus Christ was here. They rejected him. The religious people, they rejected him and the multitude followed them. In the world today, we have the religious people are still rejecting Jesus Christ. Or they'll talk about Jesus Christ. They'll use his name. They'll use his word. But when he says to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, uh uh-uh, we don't have that in our church. We don't have baptism in our church. I came out of the Methodist church 
Uh, and even today, I mean, I got into trouble uh, saying this, but it's still not the platform of the Uniting Church today, which is now what the old Methodist Church was. There's still their platform is still not baptism. Oh, they do baptize some people. Incredible things that may, incredible as it may seem, we've actually had people contact us from the Uniting Church because they believe in baptism and their own church will not baptize them. If that's not an indictment upon religion, I don't know what is. Because they rejected it. They rejected God's word and God... You see, they don't know the benefits. They don't know reason for baptism. If you're new here tonight, I want to tell you the reason for baptism. Baptism is to bury your old way of life. It's a death, burial, resurrection ceremony the Lord Jesus Christ wants to perform. See, Jesus Christ, he came here. He was born into this world. He preached the gospel. He died. He died for your sins and my sins. He died. He was buried in the tomb and he rose from the tomb. We're told in the book of Romans here that today you and I, we have to perform and sense that same ritual. We have to die. It's called repentance. Die to your old way of life. If you don't die to your old way of life, if you want to hang on to your old life, the Bible says you'll lose everything. But if you die to your old way of life, if you're prepared to submit yourself to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and turn away from this life, that doesn't mean to say that you get on a helicopter or a rocket and something and go leave this world. You can't do that. The Bible says we're in this world, we're not part of this world. We have to determine in our minds that we want to turn away from this world. We're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, his principles. The principles of this world are leading mankind to destruction. There's no doubt about that. Jacques Chirac's mob will get us one day. That's the way the things are going. But Jesus Christ came to give us a new and a living way. We have an opportunity. So the Lord says, first of all, die to your old way of life. It says repentance. The word repentance really means to have a turnabout. You're going the wrong way. Turn about. And be baptised, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ through remission of sins. Baptism is a burial of your old life. Go on this curtain. We have all those facilities. We've got a baptismal tank here full of nice warm water. For my sake, but for your sake. Because unless you bury your old way of life, you won't see life. See, the Bible says that if you haven't been born again, you're dead in your sins. You're dead, already dead. You're called, we're called mortal man. In other words, we're the dying man. And if you haven't been born again of the Spirit of God, you've been born to die. But Jesus wants to reverse that. He wants to give you life eternal. He wants to give you the greatest gift that a man or woman can ever receive, and that's eternal life. He said, first of all, bury your old life under the waters of baptism. It's not symbolical. We don't drown people. They go right under the water. It's a burial service there, and the Lord will fill you with the Holy Ghost. You'll speak in tongues. You heard it tonight. As you receive the Holy Spirit, you will speak in tongues. People don't understand speaking in tongues. I tell you what, if you're new here tonight and you haven't received, you won't understand it. Because it's only revealed, we're going to see here in a moment, it's revealed by the Holy Spirit. These are the things of God. God will reveal them unto us. And praise the Lord, most of you here tonight have already succumbed to this. We've already repented, been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're now walking in the ways of the Lord. Praise his name. Go on to read here. It says, For it has been revealed to this world, but God's revealed them unto us. And in verse 10 there he says, He's revealed them to us by his Spirit. And down in verse 12 it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, 
but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, that's the person who hasn't received the Holy Spirit, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. There's no way that a person without the Holy Spirit can know the things of God. Oh, we can know something about it, as I said before. But the argument that we have, I suppose, uh, down at the, recently, of course, at the show, and uh, the arguments we had of uh, some of the religious people that would come up and debate speaking in tongues. I didn't get cross with them when the one particular person had a go at me about speaking. Oh, you all you want to do is speak in tongues. I didn't get upset about that. The reason why I didn't get upset because he was ignorant. He didn't understand. He didn't know. Why didn't he know? Because the Lord said he wouldn't know. He cannot possibly know because they're spiritually discerned. He doesn't understand speaking in tongues. He went away and uh, there's a couple of, a lot of other people during the time there would come up and they'd be talking about uh, speaking in tongues and they'd go off in a huff and they didn't understand. Why? The Lord already said it. It's foolishness under them. But to you and I, of course, we know it's a secret between how we, how we can make real contact with God. The natural man, he receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolish under him, neither can they add him because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yea, himself is judged of no man, for we know, uh, sorry, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Nothing to be puffed up about. What the Lord has done for us is great. What a price we've got. What a treasure we have. And we really think about it. You think about it here tonight. If you're uh, languishing in the back corners in a sense, you know, uh, not being involved, uh, think about it. You're a daughter or son of a living God. And to God, you're something special. It makes all of us think that we must snap ourselves out of any lethargy whatsoever, lethargy whatsoever. We must realise who we are and make a great stand for the Lord. We've done one scripture. I was going to about 20 today. Let's go to First Timothy and chapter 6 for a moment. First Timothy, chapter 6. Well, we saw then, of course, to know and understand the plan of God. What a, what a treasure that is. What a pearl. To be able to just uh, get up in the morning and know who you are and what's going to happen. We realise, we realize, of course, if you're new here tonight, we realise that uh, we're sitting on a powder keg here in the world at the moment. The Lord says the day shall come when this world, it says, is going to burn as an oven. It says there uh, about the very elements melting with fervent and heat. And if scientists have said that's only fish and fission that can do that. And one day it's going to happen. And it won't be very far away, we see from scriptures. But at the same time we realise the fact there's a new hope. There's still a hope for mankind. And that's when to come unto the Lord to receive this wonderful gift the Lord's offering. Look at in chapter First uh, Timothy chapter six. We'll pick it up in verse uh, three. Talks there about. Uh, um, well, we might just leave that. Get in verse three. If any man teaches otherwise, consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. Disperse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. That's the one I want to look at here in a moment. Godliness with contentment 
And uh, I believe it's a scripture we should think uh, carefully here. You know, a lot of people, even spiritual people, unfortunately today, are, are still uh, striving for the next million. I don't think any of us got the million yet, but striving for the next million, and, uh, and that seems to be the life. That's the shouldn't be. Let's get, our, let's get our priorities right, first of all. Let's make sure that we're really uh, submitted in the things of God. That we really know where we stand. If the Lord should come back tonight, how will you stand? If the Lord should walk, uh, uh, should come through, uh, which he could do, one of these times we're going to say this isn't going to happen, and if the Lord should all of a sudden appear out here in front of the microphone, where will you stand? What would you say to him? Oh, hang on a minute, Lord. Uh, don't, uh, can you just go away for a while? Give me, look, it only take me an hour, uh, two hours I can straighten up my life. I can get all my problems out of the road. I can, uh, I can, uh, I can get rid of uh, some of the things that I shouldn't have in my life. Won't work that way. We have to be today sure we'll be standing the Lord. We have to be content with our life. Gaining the things of this world. The Bible says you may gain the whole world, but you can lose your soul. Be content with what you've got in this life. We're not there are some people obviously are in a better position financially say than others. Don't worry about it. Let's not, uh, let's not this be the criteria of our life. Our life should be around, based around our contentment in the Lord. We should be happy, and I believe most of us are. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich, in other words, those that really want to be rich, they fall into temptations and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Many more things we could read here tonight in that thing there. But what about contentment? Are we contented in the Lord? Are we still lusting for the things out there? Do we still want to uh, be involved in, the, in the, uh, the problems of this world? The alcohol, the cigarettes, the uh, promiscuity of the world? Is that what we want? Well, we can have it. But you can't have the Lord. He's not in it. We must be content and make sure that we've got our feet firmly fastened in the things of God. Uh, look, time seemed to slip away on me there. Um, we'll go to Colossians. Colossians in chapter 4. I was going to look up in Proverbs chapter 3 and 4 there where it talks about wisdom. A great pearl again. Now this is not talking about the wisdom of this world. If you go home, you might like to make a note of these. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 13 and Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7. In Proverbs chapter 3, uh, it there talks about uh, a wisdom itself being a, a great pearl, a, 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 what we should be seeking for. And in verse 7 it says there, wisdom, it says get it. Get wisdom while you can. That's, that's my translation of it. Get wisdom. Now that's not the wisdom of this world. That's the wisdom of the things of God. To know how to walk. And knowledge is one thing, but wisdom, I believe, is putting knowledge into practice. Make sure that uh, we understand 
what the Lord is talking about from his word. How do we put it? You know, uh, I think I looked at the scripture on Sunday there where the Lord says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. For he that is a hearer only deceives himself, the Bible says. And there are many people in the world today, and unfortunately, I should say, well, they're all, unfortunately, those are in the, in the spirit-filled people, they un- unfortunately at the time, they don't appreciate the fact of how important it is to do the will of God. That's the wisdom. And then here in verse uh, 5 of Colossians in chapter 4 we read, it says, Walk in wisdom towards them that are without, redeeming the time. This word redeeming means to buy back. In fact, it talks about you've had enough of this world, time in this world to have done the wrong thing. Now it's time to start buying back a bit of time. Redeem the time there. Let's go out and, uh, and really stand for the truth. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. What a price, what a pearl, if we can only really attain to that standard there, where we fully understand what we've got. Where are people that are, are able to go out and uh, declare to the lust of this world the wonderful... Uh, situation that Jesus Christ has really put man into it if he only accepts it. We might go to uh, Romans chapter 8. I think I'm uh, pretty well over time, but we'll go to Romans chapter 8 for a moment and um, just want to look at another little thread here um, when I mentioned before. Romans chapter 8, and, this, and we read down there in verse uh, 11. But it says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, this is talking about people who have already being baptised in the Holy Ghost. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or bring to life, this word means he, your mortal bodies, by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors to the flesh, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, in other words, we carry on the old, normal life there, we shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify or put down the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What a situation that we are in. As I said before, sons and daughters of the living God. We have to walk in that way now. We're told, in fact, we might read a bit further. It says, for you have not received the bondage of the spirit of bondage you're going to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Father, Father. In other words, we have been adopted or transformed translated and uh, transformed from out of this world and we've been put in the kingdom of God and we're now sons and daughters of the living God. In fact, it goes on in the next couple of verses there. It says, and if children, down in verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That's who we are. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The world has no part of this. None whatsoever. The men of this world, there are multi-millions, six billion approximately people on the face of the earth today. I don't know how many of those people today are born again and walking in the ways of the Lord. I don't know. Probably, let's, let's say, we'll, we'll just say for argument there's, a, there's a 10, 10 million. I don't know how many there would be. Very small percentage, isn't it, of what's in the world today. And there are many people like you and I in that situation, they of course can claim to be sons and daughters of the living God. We are jewels, the Bible says. Jesus spoke about He said, you are jewels in my crown. That's the way the Lord uh, speaks about his church. If you're new here tonight, put yourself in the situation that you've seen here tonight. Are you 
a jewel in the crown of the Lord Jesus Christ? When he comes back again, is he going to say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or are you going to still remain in this world and do what this world wants you to do and when he comes back to have you and having to reject you? We don't want that. Jesus said, the Lord says, I'm not willing that any should perish, that all should come under repentance. In other words, he wants to save everyone. But not everybody's going to accept it. See, salvation is in your corner. Salvation is in, for all of us here tonight, is in our own, within our own capabilities here tonight. We can either accept or we can reject. My advice is, take hold of this great pearl the Lord is offering to us. Make sure that we hold on to it. Never let it go. If you haven't already got to that stage, tonight should be your night. You repent. You get baptised. God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. You will be a son or daughter of the living God and you can live forever. And all the people said, Amen. We better leave it there.